You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. This morning we're going to be uh, talking about children and uh, I'll be resuming our series next week, uh, Crazy Church People and 1 Corinthians. But today, because kids are going back to school, I wanted to talk about kids a little bit and with Justin coming on board, I felt like it'd be a really good time for us to talk about children. How many grandparents are here? You have some grandkids. Just raise your hand and I know you're worried about your grandkids. You're praying for them. How many? You've got kids, obviously. How many parents are here, young families, you got parents, you got children. And so today we're going to take some time and talk about children and how important they are to Bayshore and what we want to see the Lord do this fall as we come in to the fall season. So I'd like to just zero in on that a little bit. One of my favorite quotes about children is from Garrison Keillor, the uh, famous comedian from Minnesota. He said, nothing you do for children is ever wasted. They seem not to notice us hovering, averting our eyes, and they seldom offer thanks. But what we do for them is never wasted. What you do for a child is never wasted. And Frederick Douglass uh, said this, he said, it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. So we want to just think about children a little bit and, and how we can, as a church, impact the lives of children. Uh, when I was uh, had my sons at home, uh, one of my big processes and one of my big uh, priorities was to make sure that, that they felt that there was no disconnect from what they saw in church to what they saw at home. And we wanted to raise our sons in an environment where they saw that Jesus was real. Because one of our dreams for Bayshore is to make sure that when you bring your kids to Bayshore, and you live out your Christian life because part of what we do at Bayshore is to teach folks how to live the Christian life every day. And so your kids can see the reality of that. And so that's part of what our vision is. But I want to talk a little bit about the value of children. How does God look at children? And we uh, see in Mark chapter 10, very famous passage of scripture in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, we see this, uh, this incredible picture that Jesus gives of how important children were to him. And we see in Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through 16, it says, people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who would not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and put his hands on them and blessed them. So we have in this, uh, in this little passage here, it's also in Matthew chapter 19, we have, we have tension between the disciples and Jesus because the disciples were sort of like the bodyguards of Jesus. They felt like they needed to insulate Jesus from problem situations. And so in this story, we see that, uh, you know, these people, no doubt parents, are bringing their children to Jesus because they want Jesus to lay his hands on those children and bless them. And the disciples are running interference. The disciples are saying, you know, hey, listen, Jesus, 
You've got important things to do. There are important people you need to see today. There's people you need to heal. There's tax collectors that you need to reach. There's important people in the community that you need to pay attention to. And you shouldn't be bothered with these little children. And so we see that uh, there's a conflict between Jesus. And rarely does it say that Jesus was indignant toward the disciples or upset with the disciples. But in this text, it says that he was indignant he was upset. He was hot. He was upset with these disciples because they were keeping children from coming to him. And what Jesus does here is he paints a picture for us of how important children are to the heart of God. It's not like adults are the important people and children are the unimportant people. But in God's economy of looking at things, children are important and very, very important in his eyes. So we have a tendency in our churches in America to sort of like, you know, we, 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 we advertise. And you can tell it in our advertisements. Our advertisement is, hey, we have great ministry. We have great worship. We have great preaching. We have all these things. And we have care for children. And children are sort of like a footnote in our advertisement. Now, I love what uh, Gerald Brooks from Plano, Texas says. He's a pastor down there, has a big church. He says, we have ministry for children and we have care for adults. And what he's doing in his church is they are dedicating the headline to children. Children are very, very important. And if they were important to Jesus, they should be important to us. If they were supremely important to Jesus, then children should be supremely important to us. And so that's part of what we want to do today. We want to like sort of raise and elevate the value of children in our vision so we understand how important they are. I read the book years ago by Dan Quayle called Standing Firm. Dan Quayle, of course, was the vice president to President uh, Hubert, uh, George Hubert Bush. And, uh, and he told in the, in the book about... Often, once a week, uh, Dan Quayle, the vice president, would have uh, lunch with uh, President Bush. And he said often before their lunches, there would be uh, visitors to the White House that the president would have photos taken with and he would give them uh, souvenirs like, uh, you know, key change and things. And he said one day before their lunch, there was a parade of visitors that were at the White House and President Bush was gracious enough to spend time with these visitors and do some photo ops and all of that. And he ran, there was one family that brought a little girl that was terminally ill. And this girl was about nine years old and she was terminally ill. And so Dan Quayle said when, when President Bush saw that this little girl and heard that this girl was terminally ill, he took her by the hand and he walked away and he sat in a chair and for about 10 minutes, he just spent time talking to that little girl and her family just stood aghast that the president of the United States would forget about all the trappings of his power, all of his great influence, all of his uh, august titles, and he would put his focus on this little girl and he spent about 10 minutes and uh, hugged her and he was marveling in the courage and the strength of this little girl that was terminally ill and her family and Dan Quayle said it was at that point that I remembered that President Bush earlier in his life had lost a little daughter so he the president of the United States 
took this supreme amount of his time for this little girl. And I think it's sort of like what we see here in this passage where Jesus is, is putting everything on hold. He's putting everything that seems to be important, all these other people that, you know, the disciples think are more important to these children. And Jesus is indignant at them and he, he rebukes them because they do not comprehend the value of a child. And so he gives us this wonderful picture. Another part of the story is, is these people were bringing uh, their, their children to Jesus for him to bless. They were bringing their children to Jesus for him to bless. And I want to encourage you in something, that every parent here, every day, you should take your children to Jesus and bring those children to Jesus in prayer and ask Jesus to bless your children. Ask Jesus to protect your children. As they go back to school, and I'm glad kids are going back to school. If you're glad kids are going back to school, say a big amen. We're glad for that. But every day, every day, take your children to Jesus and take them to the Lord and ask the Lord to bless them. I, Karen and I uh, did that as our boys were growing up. I still do that every day. I pray for my kids. I pray for Tim uh, and his wife Jessica and, and Jack and Willow. And I pray for, for Joel and Stacy and Nora and Nixon. I take my children and my grandchildren, I take them to Jesus and I say, Jesus, bless my children. Bless my children. Are you doing that every day? Now, I'm not browbeating you here, but I want to encourage you. The Bible says in, in James chapter 5, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. In other words, when you pray, because you've been made righteous in the blood of Jesus and you've been given a status of, of righteous son of God because of the work of Jesus on the cross, you, you're a righteous man or a righteous woman when they pray, the King James says, the old King James says, it availeth much. The effectual, here's what King James says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. What that means is, is when you pray, it matters. When you pray, it matters. It matters when you pray for your kids. Now, some of you have got prodigal sons and prodigal daughters, and they're not walking with Jesus, and they're not, you know, they're not uh, a part of God's family, and they're not living for the Lord, and uh, maybe you brought them to church when they were younger and all that, and, and so you got prodigal kids. Let me tell you something. You should be diligent and fervent praying for those prodigal sons and daughters. I think of the prodigal son story in the Gospel of Luke when that boy went off to the far country and as he walked down that long, I always think there's a long lane from the farmhouse, he walked down that long farmhouse lane to go to the far country. I think the father began to pray at that moment and I think there was not a moment in time when he was not praying for his wayward son. So make sure you take time to bring your children to Jesus for Jesus to bless them. And you know, sometimes you just, you just pray and you pray and you pray and you pray some more. It's important. Sometimes we, we give up too easy. There's a great story in Luke chapter 18 about the, the unjust judge and this woman that needed something from the judge and she kept coming to the unjust judge and said, you know, and Jesus said the reason he's telling this story is so that people will learn to pray and not to faint, not to give up. So this woman kept coming to the unjust judge and she wanted justice for something and she kept coming back and back and forth. She kept coming and the unjust judge says in the story, uh, you know, I'm not going to do it because I care about the woman. I'm going to do it because she's wearing me out. 
Now, God is not like the unjust judge. That's not the point of the story. But what Jesus was saying, it matters if you keep praying. Have you ever heard the acronym PUSH? PUSH. Everybody say PUSH. PUSH means pray until something happens. Keep praying for your kids. So I want to encourage you to pray for your kids every single day. Pray for them by name. Pray for the Lord to bless them. I pray over little Willow now, my granddaughter Willow. She's, uh, she's uh, almost 12 years old, going on 25. I mean, she is changed. She's a, she's a middle schooler now, and she's like, I used to be our hero, and now I just annoy her. I mean, I don't know what happened. She just used to worship the ground I walk on. Now she looks at me like she is so embarrassed about the things I say. But I just love her and I hug on her and I pray for her every day that her faith will remain strong. That, you know, she's going into an incredibly complicated environment as she goes into middle school. And, you know, you know it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like uh, you know, kids being vaccinated. That's like a big, big, uh, you know, controversial issue. And I'm not sure where everybody weighs in on that. But let me tell you something. I believe in spiritual vaccination. That we need to vaccinate our kids spiritually. That we need to pray for them. That we need to intercede for them. That we need to have them, you know, in church and student ministry. We need to, to get them around Justin. We need to get them around things. We need to vaccinate our kids and not become sloppy or lazy in making sure our kids are in the right environment because the right environment is going to make a difference. And we need to spiritually vaccinate our kids before they get into the culture that they're going into. I'm a little bit ahead of myself, but let me read you a quote. There's a guy on our staff named uh, Cotter Johnson, and Cotter Johnson's uh, folks took him to church all the time when he was a kid, and he's 30 years old. He's on staff, and I asked Cotter this week, I said, Cotter, uh, you know, your folks got you ready to go to church every Sunday, and this kid loves Jesus. He preaches for us now. He's part of our team, our preaching team, and Cotter is just doing such a good job, and I said, Cotter, what did your family's influence taking you to church every Sunday due to you how did it affect you because here's part of what's going on in people's minds I know what's going on I'm not going to make my kids go to church uh, if I make them go to church I'm going to grow up hating church and they're not going to ever want to go again and I know that now that doesn't work for algebra or calculus does it it doesn't work for other things but when it comes to church, sometimes we make that sort of a, a, a thing that we aren't as diligent about as we need to be. And here's what Cotter wrote. Cotter wrote this. He said, church attendance was huge for me growing up. When I was really young and going to kids' church, that helped me to associate church as a fun place that I wanted to go. It also set a lot of the groundwork for my faith from a young age. As I grew up in church through middle and high school, it was really impactful for me to see how my parents made church attendance a priority. Their commitment to attend each Sunday showed me the importance of church and how Jesus should be our number one priority in life. I feel blessed to have grown up in a household where church was valued and where the things we learned at church were reinforced at home during the week. Looking back, I think there's a big reason, that's a big reason why I value church attendance as adult. Cotter Johnson, uh, pastor at Bayshore. He's 30 years old, and he said that part of what impacted him was there was no disconnect between his parents' faith in church 
and his parents' faith at home. They were consistent. They weren't perfect, but they loved Jesus and they didn't come to church every once in a while. They were diligent, like brushing their teeth. I mean, they just came to church and they brought Cotter to church and raised him in church. And he grew up believing and knowing that this was a true value of his family. And because it was a true value of his family, it translated into his real life. So it's important for us to, important for us to do that. When our kids were, uh, were growing up, you know, we just never debated about going to church. We just like, it's what we do. We brush our teeth and we floss and we go to church. We just made it a part of the fabric of our life and we made it fun. And at home, one of the things that we did is our kids saw Karen and I pray and I'm reading our Bible at home. They saw us when we had a crisis in our family and somebody was sick or there was some financial thing going on. We gather around the table and we would pray about that and we would intercede about that and ask the Lord to help us with that. And, uh, and, 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 and when we had our neighbor who lost his wife of cancer and for years, Karen would make extra food and our boys would carry over that food to our neighbor to help you know, take care of our, our neighbor that was a widower that couldn't cook and we loved on him and cared for him. So they saw there was consistency between church and home. And so that made, I think, made a difference, a very important thing. So when you think about, you know, how are we gonna impact this next generation? We've gotta sort of think about what the, uh, the book of Deuteronomy says. Deuteronomy chapter six says, um, hear, O Israel, this is called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. So first thing is, mom and dad must have an authentic passion for Jesus at home. Religion does not inspire anybody. Dutiful religion is not the key. It is passion from mom and dad loving Jesus, serving Jesus, and making Jesus the Lord of, of, our, of their life. And then it says in further down in Deuteronomy chapter 6, talk about the law, talk about the Lord at your home. When you rise up, when you get up in the morning, talk about the Lord. And when you're walking down the road, in other words, when you're driving your car down the road, you talk about the Lord, that they see that Jesus is authentic in your life. Now, Paul said to Timothy, I think it's in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, he said, I'm reminded of the sincere faith, sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and now lives in you. Now, say this with me. I'm gonna, it's the only thing I'm going to ask you to say today. So uh, say this, sin sincere faith translates to the next generation. He said in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, I'm convinced that, or 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, uh, he said, I'm reminded of the sincere faith that once lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and now lives in you. So sincere faith, consistent faith. And here's another thing. We need to make, parents need to make the spiritual uh, success of their children the highest priority. We need to make the spiritual success of our children our highest priority. Sometimes, if we're honest, the spiritual or the highest priority uh, in our kids is not spiritual, it's academic. We want our kids 
to get into a good college. We want them to go to, you know, to Harvard or we want them to go to some great school. Our, their, their academic success is our highest priority or their athletic success that we want them to, you know, play football. I used to have a guy that came here for years. He was passionate about his son becoming an NFL football player. And he used to talk to me, you know, about his son. And I, he would drag me to football games. And I would go watch his son play football. And his son was pretty good. And he played at a small college and never made it to the NFL. But that father consistently talked about that boy becoming a football star. And I never heard that father ever talk about, I want my son to become a man of God. So we need to make, we need to make our children's spiritual success the most important thing. Does academic success matter? Of course. You want your kids to be clothed and in their right mind and get a good job and get off your payroll. That's what you want your kids to do. You want them to get a good uh, education. You want them to be skilled at their sport. You want them to do good and all that. But let me tell you something. That is not the most important thing. Christian worldview, Christian parents should have as their primary goal, their primary passion to see their kids walk with the Lord. And it says in 3 John, uh, 3 John, I think it's uh, 1, 3 John 1, here we go, 3 John uh, verse 4. 3 John only has one chapter, so it, when you, it's 3 John verse 4. Listen to this. Here's what John said. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the faith. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the faith. So parents with a Christian worldview have as their highest aspiration for their children is not their academic success, although very important, not their athletic success, although important, not their musical success, although important, but their highest aspiration for their children is spiritual, that their children will walk with the Lord and follow Jesus. And John said, I have no greater joy to know that my children are walking in the truth. So that's our highest goal. That's our highest passion. We must make that our highest passion. We must make that the thing that we, that we long for and dream for and that we care about mostly. And I, I look at, uh, you know, my kids, they're not, boy, they're surely not perfect. And we had to pray, f- pray them through some stuff. And, uh, and I went to lunch with my son, Tim, this week. He's doing really well in business. And, and uh, he's just, you know, prospering in a lot of ways. And uh, he's just doing so good. And, and we went out to lunch and he paid for my lunch. So I think that's a win. You know what I mean? <laughs> that is a win. But you know what the big win is? Is that he's sitting at the Rehoboth campus this morning. He's sitting there rooting for his brothers, his brother's preaching. He's loving Jesus, and he's serving the Lord. And he lives in a bunch, I'm not, I'm not bitter, I'm not bitter. He lives in a big house on the beach, near the beach, and I'm not bitter. You know, although I did work all the time, and he never comes to see us, you know. He's not going to come inland. I mean, we got to go over there where he lives, you know. I'm not bitter. But let me tell you something, he is walking with the Lord. Most important thing. Jesus said this, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses soul? 
What does it profit if our kids are well educated? Our kids are well wealthy. Our kids are successful in life, but they aren't walking in the truth. So this has to be our number one thing this fall. And if you've got kids that are in school, they're in the system, you want to you make sure they do their homework, you want to make sure they do their algebra and their calculus, and you want to make sure they do the stuff they got to do, but make sure you're on your knees praying for them, that their hearts will open up, and that they'll be coming to Justin's uh, meeting, and they'll be coming to the student meetings, so they'll be infused with the gospel of Jesus, and we can't get sloppy about that, because this is a very, very important thing. Now, there was a Back in about 1985, 1986, there was this couple in the Philippines. And they were, uh, they were missionaries, Baptist missionaries. And uh, the husband's name was Bob, and they were in their late 30s. And the wife's name was Pam. And Bob preached in the Philippines. He preached in the cities. Uh, and he preached in the, the hills of the Philippines. They had, they had four kids. And... Uh, Pam was helping him. They established an orphanage. And when Bob was in the Philippines in the hills one day preaching, he felt like the Lord tapped on the shoulder. He said, I want you to have another child. And he went home and told Pam, and Pam and him talked about it. And they decided, although they had four children already, they were going to have another child. And, and here's what Bob prayed. He said, Lord, I want you to give me a boy, and I want you to give me a boy that's going to be a preacher. I want to see you raise up a preacher to preach the gospel out of our family. And so they tried, and she, Pam got pregnant. And then as she got pregnant, she didn't realize she was pregnant at first. She got amoebic dysentery. And because she had amoebic dysentery, you get that from polluted water, she started uh, taking these really strong uh, antibiotics that the doctor gave her, and then it was discovered that she was pregnant. And the doctor said, well, you need to abort this fetus because what you were taking, these strong antibiotics, uh, antibiotics are surely going to cause birth, detects, birth de- defects in this child. And she said, here's what she said. She said, I would rather die than to abort this child. And it looked like she lost the child a couple of times, but she kept going. And what happened was the, the uh, antibiotics, the strong antibiotics that she was taking caused her placenta to disconnect uh, from the uterine wall. And so the baby was born malnourished, but it was a little boy. And Bob's prayer was answered. She had a little boy. And they started praying over that boy, and they made his spiritual priority the number one thing, they homeschooled him, they poured the word into him, they poured the Lord into him, and they taught him faith, and, they t- and they, of course he was involved in the mission work of the, that they were doing in the Philippines, and that little boy grew up, grew up, and he became a football player. And that boy became a famous football player, and in 2007 he won the Heisman Trophy, and it was this special person, it was Tim Tebow. And it's interesting to me that Tim Tebow... You know, we saw him on TV praying for the University of Florida, and he had, always had a scripture written under his, his, his eyes there, and is always promoting the Lord. And he may not be preaching the way Bob, his dad, thought he should be preaching, but how many know he's preaching for Jesus? And I'm a big Tim Tebow fan, because I believe that his parents aim for the right goal, they aim for the right thing, 
And then the Lord blessed them with this not only spiritual godly man, but a great football player and the Heisman Trophy that sits in the family living room. That's a good thing. How many know it pays to put Jesus first in the lives of your kids? And, of course, Tim Tebow played for the Denver Broncos, led them to one playoff, I think, and then I don't think the NFL maybe treated Tim Tebow right, and he went off and played with the Mets. But the Lord just took care of him, and people made fun of Tim Tebow because he was living a pure life and wasn't having premarital sex and all that. They were making fun of him. Well, how many know the Lord just took care of that boy, and he married Miss Universe? Isn't that a good thing? <laughs> so, boys, if you're thinking about, you know, cheating, you maybe don't want to stay with your plan here. <laughs> so I say, yay, God, you know? The Lord bless that guy. That's wonderful. Make your kids' spirituality the number one thing. I, I know. I listen to parents. I'm in the world. I listen to their language. I listen to what they're talking about. And we need to recognize that we need to dig down deep and we need to believe God for our kids. We need to pray for them. We need to pray for their spiritual success to be the most important thing in their life because here's what I believe. I believe the devil's not, if you're in your 40s and 50s and 60s, the devil is not messing with you. He doesn't care about you. You are a lost cause. You're gonna follow Jesus and regardless. And he's not, he doesn't think about you one iota because you're already in the family of God. You're not going anywhere where you put your faith in and you're not turning back but he knows that he he's willing to lose one generation if he can gain the next generation and there is an incredible spiritual war in our culture for kids there's kids that the enemy has said okay that generation's lost but i'm going to focus on this generation and I'm going to, if I can get this generation, this generation, this older generation, they can do whatever they want to, but if I can get this generation and, 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 and their parents not bring them to church anymore and their parents not to take care of them anymore and their parents to just kind of like put these other goals as higher, if I can do that, then I'll win a whole generation. Karen and I, a number of years ago, we went to, uh, on our 25th wedding anniversary, we went to uh, Nova Scotia and Halifax and St. John's on a cruise. So it was our 25th wedding anniversary. It was our first cruise we ever went on. So we went to New York City and caught the cruise ship there, a brand new cruise ship, and we went up there. And we had a great time and just wonderful, uh, just love of cruises and all that. It was a great time. But we went to St. John's. And when we were in St. John's in New Brunswick, Canada, we were touring uh, St. John's. And we found something there very interesting as we tour guide showed us that there was this thing there called the Bay of Fun. The Bay of Funday is in St. John's and it has the fastest outgoing tide in the world. 160 billion gallons of water go out of that, out of that, that bay twice a day. There's a 56-foot difference in the height of the tide that changes twice a day. And consequently, it moves so fast that people literally go and they watch the tide go out. So one day, there were a group of people there, they were watching the tide go out, and there was a little girl, a little girl 
that fell into the bay. And of course, she's been swiftly carried out there. And people were petrified to jump in the bay, knowing it would be their own death if they did so. They just stood there. And there was this guy named Fred Young that came running through the crowd. He had one of those uh, life preservers and had a rope on the end of a long rope. And he dropped the rope on the, on the dock there. And he threw the life preserver as far out as he could toward the little girl. And then he dove in to the bay and he starts swimming toward this little girl and everybody's applauding, everybody's so excited. Then they're applauding for this Fred Young who's this heroic figure that's trying to save this little girl and they're so excited, they're clapping. And when he finally gets to the little girl, they applaud again and when he swims back toward the life preserver, that's when he realizes that the people on the dock had not picked up the rope and the rope had drifted out into the bay and they stood there helpless watching Fred Young and that little girl go out to sea. And there's a mo- monument there uh, in, the, in the city to Fred Young. And that monument is there for a young man who dove in to the bay to try to save a little girl. But that monument also says there were hundreds and hundreds of people that never picked up the rope to save that little girl. And you know what? We need and we desire in our church for people to pick up the rope to help serve in student ministry. We need to reopen nursery. We need people that will pick up little babies, that young families that are coming back to church, hold little babies, pray over those little babies, bless those little babies, you know, say, you know, I can't teach some complicated lesson. You could take a little baby in your arms while, while people are worshiping, and you can pray over a little child. At our staff meetings uh, every Monday, uh, one of the most important people that come is, is, is Max, you know, uh, Nate's little, uh, little baby. And, and everybody wants to hold Max, and they're holding Max. And we have pictures. Everybody's, there's Alexis holding Max, and everybody wants to hold Max. And we're just holding Max and loving on him. And the other day, Alexis was holding him, and Max was just like, there and he was just like drool running down on, on, the, on the floor and he was just having the best time. We need some people that just will say, you know what? I want to pick up the rope. I want to spend an hour a weekend holding a baby. Maybe you're a grandmother. Maybe you don't have kids anymore. Maybe they're gone and maybe you could just take a weekend, a month and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold a baby, somebody else's baby. I'm going to pray over that baby. I'm going to love on that baby change their diaper when it needs to. I'm going to bless that baby and I'm going to just minister to that baby. Or maybe some of you are just going to take up the calls to serve with Alexis and, and serve in, in, in children's ministry, love on those kids, hug on them. And, uh, you know, when Jesus took those kids, you know, that were, were, were brought to him in, in Mark chapter 4, it says he, he hugged on them. He loved them. Yesterday I was with, uh, at my son Joel's house and Nora was there. Nora's uh, eight now. And uh, I said, Nora, you know, you know, I'm not leaving until you give me a big hug. And she came over and I put my arms around her. You know that, you know that when a, a, a loving, positive touch from an adult person goes to a little child, it makes their endorphins go up. That they feel better. They feel secure. And Jesus, there's a whole lesson on touching children positively, hugging them. And I'm a hugger. I hug my kids. I hug my grandkids. I hug my wife, of course. I just, I'm a hugger. And it's important. Kids need to be blessed and, uh, and, and blessed with, with our touch and our care for them. 
Very, very important thing. So I want to just, we're going to have the kids come in in just a moment. They're going to come down the middle of the aisle. We're going to pray for them. We're going to give them a standing ovation as they come in in just a few moments. And we're just are grateful for them. Let me just ask you this. Do you love children today? Do you love children? And do you care about the children of Bishop? Would you say a big amen right now? Amen. Just lift your hands right now and say, Lord, help us as a church to make children a priority. Help us, call us tap on our shoulders. Help us to pick up the rope. Help us to do what you've called us to do. We thank you for Justin that's picked up the rope and uh, answered your call. We thank you for others, Alexis, and those that are volunteers that are serving. We thank you, Lord God, for your blessing and what you're doing in our church. And we pray that you'll give us, every family that's here today, that you'll give us a godly children that are successful in every arena of their life, but most importantly, that they'll be successful in their faith. They'll be successful in their faith. We pray for that. We ask your blessing. And uh, Father God, we just pray over these kids. We ask you to bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. We're gonna ask the kids to come on down the aisle as they come down the aisle. And before we pray for them before they go back to school, would you stand up and let's just applaud these kids and let them know how much we love them. up here yep thank you Lord thank you Lord there's my iPad my iPad so wonderful oh man I love these kids thank you thank you last Sunday uh, on the front row, every Sunday on the front row, it's been a young lady in our church that went to Sussex Tech. Her name is uh, Alden Partica, and she's at Lebanon, Lebanon uh, College in Pennsylvania. And she wrote me, she was uh, all through high school, she was the second uh, or first in her class. And she said, uh, she wrote this, Pastor Danny, so I went to, and she told the high school, and, and she said, I end up graduating third in my class though my four years of high school, first and second in the class was between me and my friend. And I and I and the and I and I and the counselor wrote us an email saying that we needed to write our graduation speeches because we were definitely going to be first or second. So I wrote my speech and I had several references about God and I nonchalantly used the passage from Matthew 5 about being a light in the world full of darkness because that had been my motto for the year. The counselor asked each of us to come in and read our speeches so that we could be timed and approved. And I asked if I could pray at the end of my speech. And the counselor told me that I could not because of separation between church and state. And she said, which I found out later not to be true. My response to her was that my faith and my relationship with God was very important to me. And I told her that I was going to stand up for my faith and fight for allowing a prayer in my speech. Not even a week later, I received an email that I'd been bumped to third, even though my GPA and my college credits were higher. I prayed about it and asked that God's will be done, even though it wasn't the easiest pill to swallow. Thankfully, my mother reminded me that it was more important to me to stand up for my faith 
than to be valedictorian and just another statistic on a transcript. I hope that summarizes my heart and my, my journey in high school. That's the kind of young people we want to be a part of Bayshore. Would you reach out your hands right now and let's just pray God's blessing on all these kids. Reach out your hands toward them. And let's have the Lord, the Lord to bless these teachers that are serving in our student ministry. We thank you, God, for all these teachers, for these children. We pray over them right now in the name of Jesus. As they go back to school, we pray that their faith will blaze bright and strong, that, Lord, their faith will be incredibly uh, powerful, that, Lord God, that you'll make them women and men of God in our culture, that they'll influence their generation. We pray that you'll protect them. You'll protect them and you'll support them that, Lord, all the days of their life, they will walk with you and serve you. And we pray for their spiritual success. And let's pray out loud together. Let everybody just pray with me. Lord God, we bless these children as they go into a new school year. We stand over them as watchmen in the faith. We ask you to bless them. We ask you to prosper them. And we ask you to make their faith powerful in their life. And make Jesus real to them every day. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.